Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, good morning. It is good to see you guys. Hope you're having a great 4th of July weekend. How many of you are excited to, be, to live in the United States of America? Yes, man. I know, man, I know there's a lot of things we could complain about and a lot of things that we don't like, but I believe that we live in the greatest nation on the planet. And we are celebrating uh, our nation's birthday this weekend. And I know that in Texas, we like to blow up stuff. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night because I live out towards the firecracker. I call it the firecracker kingdom. If you ever drive out 1187, you're going to see all of a sudden you take this curve and it's like, man, there's firework stands everywhere. And last night, like, it was like boom, 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 boom. My dog freaks out. We finally had to get up and give him like this doggy Xanax. <laughs> I was like, I need some of that. <laughs> But uh, anyways, you know, 4th of July, we love to blow up stuff and eat a lot of stuff. And, but I just want to encourage you to, to just take some time to pray for our nation. Uh, as we celebrate our, our nation, celebrate the birthday of our nation, pray for our president. Pray for our nation. Pray for the leadership of this country. Uh, I believe that, that God wants to use our nation in a great way around the world to make a difference. And I do believe with all of my heart we live in the greatest nation on the planet. And just, man, I want to encourage you as you celebrate to pray for our country. I want to get right into our teaching. I've got a lot to cover today. And if you've got your Bibles, once you grab them, go to 1 Samuel. And also Ecclesiastes is another scripture we're going to look at. And we've been in this series this summer that we've entitled, You've Got What It Takes. And just been looking at um, what does the Bible say about why we exist and what our giftings are and what God's purpose is for our life and really taking a fresh look at what does God have for my life and what's his purpose for my life. I want to start off today with just a fun exercise, and I want you to take the name tag that's at your seat, take it out. Some of you are sitting on it, but I promise you there should be a name tag somewhere around you. Get it out, find it. I want everybody to play, Um, and uh, get that name tag out. Get a pen, and I want you to write on that name tag what your first job was. What did you do? Don't say like male model or something like that, guys. Uh, um, Whatever your first job, what was it that you first did? And uh, just write it on, put that, then I want you to put that name tag on you and I just as a fun way to kind of interact on your way out today, you can kind of check out what uh, some of your friends used to do for a living. You know, for me, I was thinking about this. My first job, and I, I can't believe I, I got this job, was I was a cook at Church's Chicken. And I, I loved it because, you know, I came home. I didn't know what I was doing, but I came home with like a pound of dough on each shoe. My parents loved it, loved it, loved it, because I would come home with all the leftover chicken and I'd come home with these boxes of chicken, and we would sit around the table late at night and 
eat chicken. It's just good times. And, you know, we could talk a lot about our first jobs. And we were happy to have a job. You're 16, 17 years old. You're, you're pumped. Somebody actually wants to pay you. You're making money, and you're like, who cares what I do? I don't care what I do. I just want to get money. And some of us, like, we're like a little embarrassed even to talk about what we used to do for money. But we got, got paid, and then you decided, you know what, maybe I think I'll go to college, or you didn't go to college, and you just kept working and thinking about it. And, you know, when you first, first got your first job and you were working, you weren't trying to find meaning in it. You weren't trying to find fulfillment in it. You were just, I want to get paid because I want to go on a date. I want some money. And you just, you know, we, we talked about this last week is you, you just kind of went to work and you, you're still kind of just going to work. And a lot of us where we find ourselves is we literally, and I have these rocks in my hands, we literally feel like every day you get up in the morning and you get your rocks. You pick up your rocks, it's early in the morning, you get your rocks and you go to work and like, you get there, you work your eight, nine, ten hours, you get your rocks, you go home. You're just moving rocks all day. And it's meaningless. And you've tried to act excited about moving rocks, but it's like, I, like, what's the point in just moving rocks? What's the point? And, you know, we could fill in the blank for rocks. In a lot of ways, you could say whatever it is that you do in life. It's, it's like, you know what, man, I sell things, I build things, I, in customer service, whatever it is. And you're like, you know what, that's my job. I just move rocks. And you've gotten a little bit older now, and you're starting to look at what you do in your life. And you were like, I am so miserable because there's no purpose. We talked about this last weekend that actually it used to be a form of torture for prisoners to, to make prisoners move rocks from one field to another and then back. And there was no purpose in it. It was just move the rocks. And it would cause them to go insane. And I, I think that a lot of us, this is where we're at. We look at our jobs and we do, we look what we're doing and we're like, man, there's no purpose in what I'm doing. I wish I could just quit my job and go work at the church. We don't want you to do that. You know, it's funny what people's perceptions of people that are in the ministry. A lot of times people think, man, up at the church, they just, their jobs, they just sit around playing acoustical guitar and they're sitting in circles singing kumbaya and just having a good old time and worshiping God all day. And I'm just going to tell you, it's not like that. And we, I don't believe that it's biblical for everybody to quit their job and go work at the church. And so if, if, you know, we're just kind of like, man, a lot, a lot of people are miserable because they're moving rocks. And I'll tell you a little bit, this is kind of depressing. I found this out is that you know that you're going to spend, actually statistics say that you're going to spend half of your life at work. Half of your life is going to be spent at work. And statistics also say that one of the biggest predictors to longevity in life 
is the joy that you experience at your job. How many of you feel like you could die any second? (laughs) Because you are like, I hate my job. You hate it and you're just, you know, you hate it so much that you're starting to count down. You're trying to figure out how can I retire? You're 25, 29 years old and you're already like, okay, how can I retire? And you're figuring it out by the year and you talk to people and you're yeah, if you just put in 30 more years doing what you're doing, I, son, I know you're miserable. Well, why don't you just like count down and you, some of you got the hours down. You're like 56,000 hours and 40, like million minutes or something like that. You got it figured out and you're just miserable, but you're spending half of your life being miserable. What if I were to tell you today that what you do in your life, your job, really is not the ingredient to your fulfillment It's really not the ingredient, not the the one thing in your life that is going to make you happy. That it really honestly doesn't matter whether you work at Lowe's, Home Depot, or JCPenney's. It doesn't matter if you're a realtor, a plumber, whatever it is that you do in your life. There's not one set of certain careers, certain jobs that you're going to go find some job. And again, I think some of you, and I know not a lot, not all of you, but there are people here that you are like wearing your family out because you're complaining about your job so much. You're wearing your spouse out. You're wearing your relatives. Your friends don't even want to hang out with you because you're always talking about how much you hate your job. Y'all know people like that? Y'all, y'all don't, but y'all know people like that, right? <laughs> you hate your job, and you're waiting to get another job and another job. And you've been talking about how much you hate your job for the last 10 jobs you've had. Could it be maybe that you're trying to get something out of your job that your job was never supposed to give you? See, I think that a lot of us, even when it comes to marriage, we're trying to get something out of marriage that marriage is not supposed to give us. And we talked about this last weekend is that, that, you know, when you carry your rocks and when you are moving your rocks, whatever it is that you do in your life, if you ever make your purpose in life carrying rocks, it's not going to make sense. But do you know that you can carry your rocks? And I, I love one of my close friends this week texted me a, such a powerful, powerful text, and I was like, I got to write this down, and I'm going to quote you. And Pete Hankins uh, goes to our church, and he texted me this, and, and I was like, man, that is so powerful. He said, I took my rocks with me today with a people purpose. And he works in a job that is high stress. He commutes a long ways, and he's like, I was like, that is so awesome. I took my rocks with a people purpose. See, listen to me. You want to find purpose. You want to find fulfillment and meaning in your life. When you're carrying your rocks, don't ever forget that this has always been about people. 
Do you know that God is a big enough God that he can move you and, and give you whatever job he wants to give you? And that has never been in question how big and how powerful God is. God has placed you where you're at. How would your life change if you stopped and you said, God, I thank you. I don't like my job, but I thank you for this job. And the moment you want it, release me from this job. God, I'm ready to go. But as long as you have me here, I'm going to remember that this is not about the rocks. It's about the people. And that I have what it takes to make a difference in these people's lives. That your coworkers, some of you are going to connect with people that I, as a pastor, could never connect with. What if, if, if whatever you sell, whatever service you do, what if, what if, if these moments, whether you sell houses, whatever, what if those are divine orchestrated moments from God that God is saying, you're going to partner with me to help rescue this world. If you'll remember that your job and what you do is about people, it's going to give you fulfillment. I'm going to just say this as a side note to you, that do you know that God wants to bless you? That God wants to prosper you at your job. That God wants to promote you at your job. But could it be maybe the reason you're not prospering, the reason, God, that you are not being promoted in your job is you're trying to get something out of your job that God does not want you to get. That if you'll keep this about people and you'll go on mission to say, God, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do with carrying my rocks. But I'm going to remember that this is about me making a difference in people's lives, that this is about people. God is going to bless you because you're not making your job your God. And I was thinking about this whole aspect of purpose in our life, that what brings purpose, what brings meaning, what brings fulfillment in your life, it's always got to be about people. It's got to be about people. How would your life change if you said, I am going to shut my mouth And not complain anymore about this job that God has given me. And I'm going to make my mission be about making a difference in people's lives. I know some of you are like, you wanted to, like, you're like, I was going to complain on my way home today. <laughs> I was going to gripe. And, and, and man, everybody can find something to complain about. But do you know the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes that 5.18, it says, This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. It does not say you should eat and drink at work. It's saying you should enjoy that these things are good, that it's a good thing to eat, to drink, and to enjoy your work. You should enjoy what you're doing. You will enjoy what you're doing as long as you make this about people. And when you talk about your purpose, and I, I was just processing this this week and thinking about this whole 
concept of us finding our purpose and you've got what it takes. And I was thinking about, you know, I, I think that a lot of us are not convinced that we have what it takes. And so just in a few moments that we have today, I want to talk to you about your identity. Last week, we talked about purpose. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to the message online. Today, we're going to talk about your identity. Do you know that us talking about your identity is so important? Who you are and who you think you are is tied a lot into how you feel about yourself and what you think about your life and really how satisfied you are in your life. And I want to show you a guy in the Bible by the name of David, and we're going to look at his life and and really just kind of unpack this because, see, I think that a lot of us don't realize that We're not living our true identity. We're not living who we truly are supposed to be. For a lot of us, our true identity has been covered up. And I think this is, the majority of us, this is what's happened is we've tried to find our identity in our work. And I'm going to show you this because this is, again, why we're so miserable at work is we're trying to get, find purpose, and we're also trying to find our identity. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to try to be miserable in your life is try to find your identity and your purpose in your work because it's never going to satisfy you. You will get the promotion. You will get that corner office. You'll get all the things you want, and it's still not going to fulfill you. And what's happened, though, for a lot of us is, is our authentic self, who we truly are, it's got kind of lost. We've never taken time to really look and, and see, you know, who am I really? I know we, we got these name tags on that this is what we used to do. And, man, you, if we said, hey, put on a name tag for everything you've done in your life. And we kind of, like, define ourselves through what we do. And I want to show you um, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, this, this guy by the name of David, and really, I, I, I know that, that a lot of times you start talking about identity and people want to kind of shut down and like, Pastor, I know who I am. I know my name. I know what I do. I don't want to talk about this. But I think that, again, I think you have and I think people have helped you in your life cover up your identity. And in this story, there, there are two barriers that you see. There are two different forces that you see that are happening in David's life that I want to show you. In 1 Samuel 17, uh, this is the story that a lot of you guys are familiar with when David and Goliath. And um, verse 28, it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before, 
what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Now, let me stop right there and just say this to you. You've got David. He's the youngest of eight brothers. How many of y'all are like the youngest? I've got my hand. I'm the youngest. I had older brothers that disciplined me more than my parents did. These guys are, are older. Eliab, his oldest brother, is 15 years older than David. He, his oldest brother has a lot of authority in the life of David. He speaks into his life. He's got a lot of authority. David grows up with a very unsupported family. His dad is not supportive of him. His mom, in fact, is completely absent from his life. And then he's got these seven older brothers that basically think that he is conceited. They think that he is like he, they don't like him. They slander him. He's ignored. He's disregarded. The main message that David has heard his whole life is you're a nobody. You're useless. And on this day that David is coming down and he's kind of skipping down there to see his brothers and check out what they're doing. He's bringing them food. What does he get? He gets this message from his family. Just go home. You don't matter. Why don't you just go home? That's all he's heard his whole life. I want you to think about growing up what you heard from your parents, what you heard from your uncles and aunts and cousins and people in your life that uh, maybe they didn't verbalize it, but you understood that it was an understanding. Like, for instance, some of us heard that we shouldn't feel a certain way. Or maybe we, it was communicated to us is that, you know what? If you want to be approved by me, you don't make mistakes. And so you went on this 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 drive of your life to not make mistakes. David, as he's getting older, is starting to realize what a lot of us started to understand as we got older and became adults is you start to become kind of aware that your parents did the best they could with what they had. But what they always communicated to you is you are loved not necessarily for who you are, but for who we want you to be. You are loved not for who you are, but for who, you, who we want you to be in life. And your parents continually communicated this thing to you as, you know what, you're good enough, you're loved as long as you get married. You get married, that's gonna be great. You know what, you are good enough and you are loved as long as you have kids, as long as you are good enough and you are loved, as long as you're really good at sports, you are loved and you are good enough as long as you don't make mistakes like your older brothers. Some of you, listen, this was my, I'm just telling you, your pastor has, has been jacked up. I, my parents loved me, and they were great people, but I, my older brothers did some, I'm not going to tell you everything they did, but they did a lot of goofy stuff. And I went on a mission as a, as a kid of saying I wanted to be the hero of the family. 
and I tried to do everything perfect in my life. And you know what that, you run out of gas after a while. Because you're trying to be something that you were never intended to be. And you've heard all these voices, and I'm telling you, you go to your job and you're like, I got to find who I am because all these layers have, have covered up. That it's smothered out who you're supposed to be. And when you hear me talk about you have what it takes to do something, you are like, Pastor Stephen, this sounds like a cute little message, but I don't have what it takes. Because all I've heard my whole life is this, this, this. And this is what the layers that have 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 covered up your identity to a place that, listen, you don't know. You're looking to your job. You're looking to all this stuff. You're, you're trying to figure out who you are. And you've allowed yourself to be defined by those voices of people that whether they were communicated verbally or not, you heard it. Listen to I mean, David is getting this on all sides. Verse 32, David said to Saul, and he's talking about Goliath, okay, and the enemy. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. He's talking about Goliath. Your servant will go and fight him. This is a confident kid. Listen to what Saul says. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Saul, this man that has great authority, King Saul that has great influence in his life, comes along and he says, David, you're just a boy. You can't do this. And if if David was not confident in his identity, what David would have done is said, well, you know what? I just grabbed my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that I brought you guys and this these Cokes and whatever he brought. And I'm just going to leave. But David was confident in his identity. David knew who he was. And some of you listen to me. Maybe it was a teacher, a coach, friends, bosses. Again, they have... They have placed all of these, they've added all of these layers to define you and to shape you. See, I I believe that, that what happens is, again, is we're trying to get our identity from what we do instead of who we are. And this is what people call performance based identity. And where it is is that you're, you're trying to perform. And I, I've done this. I've played this game. I tried to perform for my parents. I tried to. My brothers, and I, listen, I got incredible brothers. They got into drugs, drinking, broke my parents' heart. I was like, I was the spectator. And I was like, you know what? I'll never do any of those things. But you know what? Not realizing is that I'm living And for a lot of my life, I lived this false sense of identity. It was more of trying to live for what I was trying to communicate and prove to my parents, not truly be who I was. This performance-based identity is so dangerous. And you you talk about how it looks in your job and your life. It shows up in two different ways if you're taking notes today is 
One is if you're caught up in the performance-based identity where your identity is based upon your performance and it's all about you got to do, 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 do to feel good about yourself. One is, is, is uh, you're going to be a ladder climber or you're going to be a doormat embracer. You're going to be a ladder climber or a doormat embracer. A ladder climber looks like this. They have a very, low, very, very low self-esteem. They're very high in performance. They work really, really hard, but inside they're really insecure. These people are very, very jealous. They're hard to work with. They're always comparing themselves internally. Man, they struggle big time with self-esteem. And I wrote down just a few of the symptoms of a ladder climber. A ladder climber is you have the need to be approved by others to feel good about yourself. You believe that if, if you make mistakes... You yourself, you're a failure. Another one, I criticize others in order to feel good about myself. I have to be doing something exceptionally to feel alive. Here's another big one for parents. I want my children to behave well so others will think I'm a good parent. I compare a lot to a lot of people. Do you know these kind of people, if you're a ladder climber, they're very destructive to teams. The reason why, if you're on a, let's say, a team at work and you've got somebody that is, is, is getting their identity and it's performance-based identity and they're a ladder climber is they always see themselves. They don't see the team. They always are focused on their own performance and what they're doing and how they're going to climb up the ladder. They're not looking at other people. Why? Because all of their identity is based upon what they do in life. And listen to me, it is, it is like going to make you miserable. Another one is a doormat embracer. These are people that you, like, you let people just walk all over you thinking that, you know what, I'm just, I just want peace. Performance-based, it's I say yes when I really mean no. I often remain silent in order to keep the peace. I act nice on the outside, but on the inside, I can't stand you. If that's you, please don't tell me that. I want to, like, let's play like you like me. Uh, I do what others want so that they don't get mad at me. Again, both of these things under performance-based identity are going to always keep you chronically dissatisfied in life. You have to get to a place, and listen to me, you have to get a place that you, be, you move beyond getting your identity. Listen, I'm not saying that, that God's not going to call you to do different things. And Man, there's, God moves in different ways with different people. But do you know, for the majority of us, that the, God gives us this freedom to choose and, and to walk in the careers that we want to walk into. And what, what has to happen in your life is you've got to be freed up from thinking that your job and your performance and what you do at work, it's what's going to bring purpose and what's going to bring that identity that you so long. And who are you? See, what has to happen in your life is, is, is if you want to have a high sense of worth and you want your identity identity to be in the right place is that you have to move to a position-based identity in Christ. 
It's a position-based identity. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those he believed in his name, he gave the right. God has given you the right. Listen to me. God has given you the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. I can tell some of you don't understand that. Or you'd be a little bit more excited. You're a child of God. When your identity is based on a position of saying, I'm a child of God, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what my job is. I'm a child of God. God can use me. See, I I know we want to kind of look at this as a nice little story that he went out and killed a giant. And I want to show you a part of this because, see, people continue to try to put him in somebody else's identity. You look at 1 Samuel 17, 39. Saul is is telling David, finally David is like, I'll do this and I'll go kill this Goliath. And Saul is saying, well, look, if you're going to do this, you got to do it my way. This is how we do it around here. This is how all these soldiers are doing it. And if you want to do this, you're going to have to do this. And, And the Bible says that David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I think it's just kind of funny that he's walking around with this big old armor and this sword that's too big for him, and he's walking around, and he's like, I can't hardly walk in this stuff. And Saul's telling him, this is how you do it. This is how you run. It, it's what you've heard. You say, well, you've heard people tell you, listen, the way you do business, is how, this is how you're going to do business. The way you treat people, this is how you're going to treat people. And this is what David said. David said, listen, Saul, you're a great king, but I can't wear your armor. He communicated to his brothers and his, his family, listen, some of you guys are jerks, but I, can't, I don't want to be you. Who I am is I am a shepherd. Listen to what he says. Then he took his staff on his hand. Why? Because he's a shepherd. That's his identity. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. I would have loved to have been there. That this kid doesn't choose to pick up a sword and doesn't choose to do what everybody else is doing, but he says, you know what? My little slingshot and my little stones, this is who I am, and I'm confident in who I am, and I'm a child of God, and I am going to do this. Why? Because I have what it takes. What's the giant in your life? For some of you, maybe it's a coworker that, that you say, you know what, that person is so far from God, it would take a miracle for them to ever want to go to church. It would take a miracle for them to ever accept Christ. Whatever your giant, for some of you, maybe it's your spouse that you say, it would take a miracle. It's a giant in my life. What if for the first time in your life you, you stopped trying to be somebody you're not in your life and you said, God, I, I, I know that I am a child of God. I am your son, and you've created me, and you've made me. 
for who I am. You know, this, this is, I'm telling you, this has been a struggle for my life. Even when I started to be the pastor of this church, I, I would look and I would watch all these pastors on TV and I would listen to all this stuff and I'm like, I'm so, like, I'm just telling you, I'm scared to death to be in front of people. My anxiety goes through the roof when I think about being in front of anybody. I'm not the most confident pastor in the world. But you know what? I, I made up my mind when I, when I said, God, I'll do this. Is that God, you're going to have to take who I am and you use me to make a difference in this community. And I would just tell you is that I, I would challenge you I double dog dare you today to break away from trying to get your identity at work and break away from all the false layers of false identities that have been placed on you and accept and look at yourself with all your junk, all your failures, all your stuff in life and say, God, your hand has been upon my life. And God, I know that you want to use me. And God, I see these giants that are right in front of me. These things that you've called me to do at my job. What you've called me to be in this person. These people that you put in my life. For some of you, maybe it's that you see somebody in, in so much financial need and you are broke and you want to help them. And that's the giant in your land. I want to close with this. In Acts 13, 36, it says this. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. David died. David lived out his purpose in his life. But you know what I love about this? Just go read the story about David and see how messed up David was. David was not a perfect man. David understood his position as a child of God. And I pray that, that this emboldens you. Whatever it is that God has placed in your life to be and to do in your life as a career and, and the job that you're doing, is that God would embolden you to be so confident to believe that, you know what, God can use me to do something you know, there are people in this room right now that God has, has given you the ability to, to work and to make money. And that resource that God has given you in your life, it's not just for you to get a bigger house. It's for you to make a difference in people's lives. Some of you have, have got such an incredible compassion and, and just like incredible grace in your life for the, for the down and outers. Those people need you. But it's going to take you being bold enough to say, this is who I am. This is my identity. That my identity is that, you know what? I am a child of God. I'm not what I do. And God's calling, my purpose in life is to, 
as a child of God to make a difference in people's lives. I promise you, if you'll pull back the layers in your life, you have what it takes. You've got it. Would you bow your heads? And I want us to pray today. Father, I pray over every person here today, God. I pray that all of us, God, would, would be able to in our own lives, God, to God, through the power of your Holy Spirit in our life, pull back the layers in our life of all the lies and all the things that have been spoken and communicated in our life. And God, just see ourselves for who you see. God, may we find our true identity in you, Lord. God, that we are loved. That, God, you created us. That we are your masterpiece. That, God, we are a work of art. Our life matters, God. Father, I pray that this would raise up a confidence in our life, God. I thank you for this, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.